0: 50 years ago this year, a band from Liverpool, England released an album called The Magical Mystery Tour. And on side two of that album, the fifth single was an absolute classic that I'm sure many of you know. It's a song called All You Need Is Love. Of course, it's by The Beatles. It's one of my favorites. When I started listening to The Beatles as a little kid, it's definitely one of the most infectious songs that they had it's got a very simple message that all we need is love. If we have love, then, then we're good. Then we don't need anything else. But our gospel today, we hear Jesus reminding us that we need something else other than just love. We're going to be holy. We need to follow the commandments. This might seem a little odd because especially in this day and age, we often like to pit these two ideas against each other. Love and following the commandments. That somehow these, the commandments aren't loving, that rules themselves can't be an act of love, or that the law cannot be loving either. And oftentimes, th- this idea gets imprinted on us from society that somehow following the church's teachings and commandments can make us feel like a red-headed stepchild or an orphan of some kind. And there are unfortunately many within the church who would say, oh, we, we shouldn't even emphasize laws because that's not love. They can't be loving. They can't be acts of love. But as we heard in our gospel, Christ tells us the exact opposite. What do we hear? We hear, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. Love, brothers and sisters, should lead us to follow the law. Following the commandments is an act of love. Love should bring forth a following of the commandments. They go together. There is a connection between the two. And if we are to fully understand it, we have to look at what love is. We have to ask, what is love? I believe Foreigner asked that question as well. I want to know what love is. St. Thomas Aquinas gives us a very good definition. Love is an act. It's an act of willing what is good... For another. It's an act to will what is good for another. So based on that, we should say, okay, whom should we love? First of all, it should be God Almighty. We should love God. And then we should also love others, just as we would love ourselves. After that, we can maybe say, okay, who loves us? We we know obviously that God loves us. He wills what is good for us. And in addition to God loving us, we have to say, brothers and sisters, that the church, Holy Mother Church, loves us as well. The church wills what is good for us. So God and the church both love us. And one of the ways they show this love is through the commandments. You know, in the Old Testament... The Jewish people considered the commandments to be this wonderful act of love from God. They saw the commandments as this beautiful manifestation of God's presence. In Psalm 147 they say, no other nation has such commandments and precepts as we do. God hasn't revealed them to anyone else, He has revealed them to us. And they saw that as an amazing privilege and a point of pride, not a burden which unfortunately we oftentimes perceive it to be today. So how did we get from this amazing gift of God's love to somehow seeing the commandments not as an act of love, but a burden? We have to go back to the Garden of Eden, actually, where the first temptation to Eve wasn't to doubt the existence of God. The first temptation to Eve was to get her to doubt that God loved her and that God's way was life-giving for her. What did that serpent say? He said, oh, God doesn't want what's best for you. He doesn't truly love you. His commandments aren't going to be fulfilling for you. He doesn't truly love you. And how often do we hear this today? You know, God or the church, they, they don't care about us. They don't know what's best for us. Their commands are very burdensome. How often do we hear this on so many issues today, whether it's contraception or issues relating to families and marriage or even pornography or cohabitating before marriage, all these little things that we perceive to be great burdens sometimes. God and the church give them to us as an act of love because they want what is best for us. They want us all to be in heaven forever. So they give us the commandments as an act of love. Again, we hear in the gospel, whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. We learn from this that when we follow the commandments, we enter into a greater love. It's a joy for us, really, to enter into a greater love. The commandments are our way to respond to the love that God has already shown us. And when we do this, we enter into a greater love than we ever could have otherwise. It's this greatest act into the greatest love that we could possibly conceive. So when we think of the commandments, we should see love. And when we think of love, we should think of following the commandments. They go together. It's not possible for us to fully and completely follow the commandments without love. Just as in the same way, it's not fully possible for us to love without following the commandments. So the commandments without love, yes, it's tyranny. But love without the commandments is anarchy. We need them both. We need them both, and they go together. So tonight, let's ask God for the capacity to love him more and to follow his commandments. Because it's through the commandments that we enter into greater love. And when we do this, God is able to dwell with us more fully. I want to end, at least tonight, with a word of thank you to all of you. Uh, This is my very last weekend here as a deacon. I'm going to be ordained a priest next weekend. And I want to thank you all so much for what has really been an incredible year here at St. Joe's. It's been my favorite year uh, in all of seminary. Um, In no small part, uh, it's great thanks to Monsignor. Uh, to Father Krismer and Father Gerber for their guidance, for their tutelage, and, and for their example. But I specifically want to thank all of you uh, in the pews tonight uh, for your love and your enthusiasm for our Catholic faith. Um, that is incredibly evident uh, every weekend that I would come here, and it was a great joy to come here every weekend with you. Um, you're a parish that really wants the truth and really wants to be given the fullness of the Catholic faith. And That's not something you can say about a lot of other parishes, uh, but I can definitely say that here. And that is greatly encouraging and inspiring to all of us in the rectory, um, whether it's the kids in the school, the many young families we have here, or maybe those of you who have been here for many, many years. Um, You're a parish that is truly alive in Christ, um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, I simply ask you to please pray for me. um, Getting ordained in seven days, it's an exciting but also very nerve-wracking experience. Pray for me that I can be a holy priest. Pray that I can be a priest that radiates the love of Christ and conforms my life to uh, the heart of Jesus and brings the mercy of God to the world. Um, I'll next be here uh, two weeks from now. It'll be Pentecost Sunday at the 1030. I'm going to actually be able to offer the Mass. I'll be able to sit in Monsignor's chair for once. (laughs) You have no idea how much I've been wanting to do that all year. (laughs) Um, Anyway, thank you so much. It's been a joy to be with you, and I hope that God blesses this parish for many years to come.